Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. All right. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you here listening to us talk about the biggest original films from Netflix every single week. And the biggest film going on right now, and possibly one of the biggest releases of 2021 is the return of Laura Jean and Peter into All the Boys, Always and Forever, the final chapter in this teen romance trilogy that has definitely launched the careers of stars Lana Condor and Noah Centineo. In today's episode, we will review the film and sprinkle in some added perspective about the trilogy as a whole. And to help me in this review today are my friends and comic book writers Travis Holyfield and Jenny Langan. Travis and Jenny are excellent at breaking down stories, and they did a great job of covering the second film in this series, P.S. I Love You, with me this time last year. If you are looking for more To All the Boys content after you listen to this review, be sure to check out that review on P.S. I Love You, as well as our interviews with the creators of Always and Forever, director Michael Feminari, and screenwriter Katie Lovejoy. Those are definite must-listens for any fan of this trilogy. Another must-listen is this review you're about to hear right now. So after this quick break, we'll cover all the angles of To All the Boys, Always and Forever, with Travis Holyfield and Jenny Langan. Thanks for listening. Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, Kobe. Hello from Korea. The best part of this vacation is spending time with my sister. But pretty soon, we'll be back from spring break, and then I'm going to tackle you and smother you with kisses and give you gifts. I miss you. I can't wait to see you. Feels like it's hard to believe. I'm standing in a timeless dream. What all started with a letter, a hot tub, and a diner could turn into this. Lara Jean Song Covey, will you go to prom with me? Yes, of course. <laughs> I love you always forever near and far closer together everywhere I will be 
scale of one to ten, how much are you gonna miss me when I'm gone next year? A four. A four? I'm glad you and Peter are both going to Stanford. You are not cut out for long distance. I haven't gotten in yet. Make sure that's what you want. It's what I want, and it's perfect. You gotta go. You know what I'm looking forward to the most about college? Hmm. Never having to say Yeah. <laughs> Next stop on the senior trip, New York City! Heather is taking me to a really cool party tonight. I could really see myself living there, you know? We both know what 3,000 miles would do to us. This is a little dramatic, even for you. in 20 years and wonder if I made the wrong choice. Can you guys turn around? This is so embarrassing. Not a chance, Chrissy. You can't save this relationship by not growing. The world keeps shifting under my feet. All I want is for it to stand still. I didn't get in. All right. My beginning, my middle, my end. One of my favorite couples to talk movies and basically anything in the world with. Bringing them back from their appearance with the P.S. I Love You review last year. (laughs) uh, Coming back hot already uh, in our off-air conversations How's it going? Travis Holyfield and Jenny Langan. How are you? Hi, buddy. Hello. <laughs> so glad to see you both. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, more in more in pandemic form than ever uh, for all of us. So, you know, we're just hanging in there trying to make it through. Um, interesting. Uh, I, this movie, too, uh, that we're about to talk about, the, the last movie in the To All the Boys trilogy, Always and Forever uh, is kind of uh, this movie that reminds us a lot that we're in the pandemic and that life isn't normal by being oh, this God. huge travel porn movie and 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 showing all these uh, events and everything else that, you know, we can't do at the moment. And students who are watching this movie can't really do at the moment. So it was a- very odd. There were a couple of moments. There were a couple of scenes when there were. um posters or something in the background that indicated a very current sort of ish timeline like it just felt very immediate it wasn't obviously spot on but it sure. felt very immediate so it was extremely disconcerting but that's kind of the case with everything <laughs> right now yeah so we we can get uh right into a little bit so what I want to know from you guys, because I know you're fans, we talked, uh, like I said, we did the review last year for the previous movie, and I actually went back and listened to that review episode a little bit, because I kind of wanted to know, A, where our mindset was then, I think we even talked about a little bit like what we kind of wanted for the third movie, and do do you recall any of that, or do you do you have any feel? did you have any feelings maybe when you saw this either a trailer or we're about to fire up the movie. Uh, Travis, we'll start with you. Um, No, I have no recollection of this whatsoever, which is, should not be surprising to you particularly that I have no No. recollection of it. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Um, Jenny, do you remember anything that you, you said maybe back then? I mostly 
gosh. I mostly remember thinking that the first one was incredibly pretty and sweet. The second, I wasn't quite as attached to for a few reasons. Um, I saw the trailer for this. And what I really remember about it is the pink couch on the train scene. Uh And sort of the close-up they do of Lara Jean's face. So I was like, okay, I, I... I get it. I see where we're going here. Um, uh, First yeah. two seasons so of was... Girls is where we're going with it, kind of. No, no, that's where you were going. That's, that's where, where you were going. going. Yeah. Well, I know that... that was actually too diverse to be girls. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. That's yeah. Very fair. <laughs> so I know uh, from I'll say for myself, and I think a lot of it was kind of echoed in the room at the time. What I remember thinking about part two and hoping that would change in part three was kind of this return back to kind of uh, more of the family dynamic or at least more of a balance to that, maybe a little bit more fun in its presentation, even though obviously it's going to have to deal with a lot of, uh, you know, essentially this is a senior year contemplation Mm -hmm. movie, you know, so, you know, you're going to have a lot of deep feelings and, and possible goodbyes and what have you in this film. So, I I will speak for myself and say that I think a lot of those things that I felt that I wanted the movie to accomplish, it did uh, in my eyes. So uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to know your guys' feelings, at least on that period. Do you, do you remember feeling that way? And, and how do you feel the movie handled that part? Um, again, I can't speak to how I was feeling at that moment. And it's a little odd even to recollect because we did we spent our Valentine's day doing a part one and two rewatch just to kind of reacclimate us to it. So I'm very much in the immediacy of that experience, having just rewatched one and two. Um, yeah. I, I think ultimately where I ended with it is that it was for me, a law of diminished returns. Uh, so to Jenny's point, you know, we loved the first one. I thought it was just this amazingly wonderful note, perfect romantic comedy with the second one. There started to be some elements where it kind of made me turn my head a little bit uh, to the side and go, okay, what's, what's this all about? And with the third one, there was just increasingly more of that. So I'm overall, I'm not, I ain't mad at this movie. I'm happy with ultimately where it landed. I don't, necessarily think it earned a lot of how it got there and i have some serious issues with execution that's 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 kind of where i land on it is just and i i want to say that i think the biggest thing here is that most of what bothered me i think was probably really good in the book and i think where the movie suffers and and we were talking about run times i do remember cuz the last one was like 2 minutes longer and i was i was joking about like if the next one would be another 2 minutes longer and it's not it's the longest one by far clocks in at almost 2 hours and i just feel like there's a lot of territory they're trying to cover there's a lot that they're trying to address and they don't necessarily have the time to give everything the weight that it deserves i will con- and that slightly only in the fact that I know that the runtime it's listed on Netflix as 155 so you yep. would normally be spot on but this particular movie has super long credits with a montage going throughout the whole thing where the that is almost at a 10 minute mark so it is actually about 145 it's really not not that dissimilar to the last two movies and what I will say for myself anyway I thought the third one while similar in tone and speed 
to the first one a little bit. I thought the second one was so much more of a slog to get through because it was so heavy and and slow moving for a lot of it that I thought this one actually went by a lot faster to me than the second yeah, one did. Yeah, exact opposite, I think, from my there's experience. No, there's, no question, there's no question this one moved along at a pretty good clip for me. Um, I think if I if I had to sum up the way that I felt uh, restless and honestly exhausted mm. by the end, um, I was, t- I was telling Travis, like by the, by almost to the end, I felt like everybody in Lara Jean's life was looking at her like she was crazy because she just <laughs> like, I feel like the, the unbelievably sweet, like Lisa Frank sweetness of the whole thing, her, her look that the high school, their home, like everything. I told Travis, like, I felt, I feel like there was a very, I don't know if it was an intentional choice, but it takes a lot of potential pain out of the situation to make everything economically comfortable. So, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, it's like, it's like setting up a dollhouse, you know, it's, 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 you want to really just focus on the story, but you want to create a very specific, lovely atmosphere, ambience for it. And I feel like, um, I feel like with this one, it still had that flavor, but it, it was like, there was also a separate movie happening that was dealing with some really serious stuff. Yeah. And I feel like trying to crash that sort of jelly bean loveliness into some really difficult emotional territory Mm. didn't work for me yeah Um, i would agree that you know jen um i'm I'm trying to remember the character names now and not just call them by their character names but like jen's arc such as it is like such as it exists in the movie to me is way more interesting than any of the shit that's going on with lara jean lara jean by the third movie i'm really kind of disappointed because she doesn't seem to have any sort of internal life past her relationship with peter so by the end of the movie, I mean, spoiler alert, if you're, if for any reason you're listening to this before seeing this movie, I don't know why, um, <laughs> if you have intentions to see the movie, but by the end of the movie, when spoiler alert, like they end up together semi happily ever after, whatever, it's a big unearned for me because it's just like, I don't feel good about this. I don't feel good about this 17 year old girl going off to college with like she has no inner life. She has no idea what she wants or who she wants to really be. Like we get only the vaguest ideas of that. Everything that we actually get in the movie is about how she feels about having a boyfriend or not having a boyfriend. And it ultimately leads her in this third movie to be the least interesting character out of everybody around her. Like if I'm more engaged with Chris, uh, Chrissy's, like arc by the third movie that's a problem a part of that is because of trevor because trevor is adorable but um, yeah that's true i like chrissy more because i think that uh gray shazam there is like the fucking cutest dude on the planet <laughs> which is funny because the last time we were all together and talking about part two you thought chrissy was insufferable so it's an interesting turnaround don't get me wrong uh, she's still not my favorite um but i feel like they really kind of talk down that my so-called life Ray Ann energy that that she had the first time where it was mm. very much like, ooh, I'm an, I'm an iconoclast, I'm rebellious, I'm, you know, it, it was just, it was, it felt 
heavy handed to me and kind of hey, shrill the first time around. I have, um, I have one thought on Chrissy that I must utter. Um, and if I end this podcast without doing it, I'm going to be super angry with myself. And it is that she is revealed in this movie to be a fucking poser who does not know what the fuck she's talking about. Yeah, which and is that, very high school, by the way. <laughs> and, and that's why, why I thought, couldn't they like, take us to see the CBGBs? Made me so fucking angry. I had to pause the movie <laughs> and stomp yeah. around a little bit. Well, especially considering that they're visiting NYU and NYU was the impetus for when they took CBGBs down. So that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Not um, even yep. that, but the fact that, like, you know, the club closed easily 14 years before the events of this movie yeah like if you're going to if you're going to write the cool girl she should know that shit and i feel like her not knowing it i'm no prizing is like oh it's revealing that she's not actually as worldly no that's a fuck up to me that's what that is i don't feel like that's subtle subtlety there i feel like that's that's just a fuck up because it's so incongruous <laughs> to everything else that's come before it so that is the only thing i am mad at this movie about is the cbgb's line i will agree with <laughs> i'll agree on that we'll get uh, we'll get to the rest of the feelings in a minute but um just to catch everybody up, I mean, obviously, like Travis said, if if you've come to this and you don't know what's going on with this movie, then God help you. Uh, or at least I would say. Um, because it does not ease you in in any fashion. It, no, really no, 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 expects, no. it really expects that you come into this knowing all the players and everything. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, they should. I mean, good Lord. I mean, I could see people being, if you're doing a sequel, I can understand more being like, oh, you missed the first one. Go catch up and then kind of jump in here or, you know, whatever. Ease it in a little bit more. This isn't a theatrical release kind of situation. So, yeah, if you're there for a third movie and you have and you're just jumping in, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Every movie, somebody's first movie. I'm just saying, like, I you know, you could walk into arguably the fifth Twilight movie, not having seen the previous ones and still kind of suss out people's relationships oh, no. to each other no, no, pretty no, quick. No, 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 that's crazy pants. I, I did, I, pants. I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but so basically- Well, you're like both wrong and I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the senior year of high school now. Uh, Laura Jean, uh, you know, starts the movie by taking a family trip to Korea and, you know, ends up, you know, kind of her first trip outside of Portland, outside of her little nook, you know, and and doing so on a family vacation where I was saying earlier, like, you know, kind of reconnecting to her her family and reconnecting to her roots. And, and some of the things that we ended up liking a lot about the first movie, I think, you know, tries to branch out immediately in the, in the beginning of this film where you get to have the sister dynamic back. You get to see the father kind of moving on with his life here and and you get to see where uh, his new wife uh, by the end of the film um, will be kind of this inserted kind of motherly figure at times. Um, And I thought that was well displayed. But, you know, this movie is basically uh, a movie about choices. And and I don't know if it's the parent in me, you know, that now that I have two young kids and I and I, you know, 
can sprinkle that onto any scene or any emotion that I have. <laughs> but I will, will say, really, without any sort of. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It gives you authority. Oh, sure. um, it gives you authority. But I will say that the 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 scenes that work best for me in this movie, because it is a movie about making your life choices and and the dynamics you have with relationships while you're figuring out what to do with your life. I thought most of the most effective scenes in here were scenes where the parent is with child with the child and, you know, kind of giving some level of advice to move forward. And even uh, my I think one of the the best and unexpected storylines was the Peter and his father uh, storyline that I thought actually worked uh, more on me than anything. Um, uh, And again, the Peter and his father storyline, though, is responsible. I was so afraid you were going to say that. I feel so bad. It's responsible to me for one of the most incongruous and unacceptable scenes in the entire film, which is their diner scene together. Peter's scene with his dad in the diner is a scene that is wildly, emphatically incorrect for this franchise for one reason and one reason only. We have, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but as I was watching it, I was immediately shocked because I don't think there's another scene in the film that takes place without Lara Jean because she is our point of view and window to everything. She's narrating this story. And suddenly we have a scene that she could not possibly know about that. She could not possibly have witnessed that we are witnessing without her. And it's done you know, because that Peter arc is important because like you're talking about, there's, there's choices and the, the parental advice factor. But to me, it is an unforgivable sin of the storytelling that at these, the, these like absolutely zero hour, we suddenly start bringing in other POVs. This has been her movie for two, like two and most of the third movie. Where does that scene come from? I will say that number one, I wrote down that is my favorite scene in the whole movie. So I wildly disagree. And I will tell you why. Because the absence of Laura Jean is why that scene works. Because if you is because it was motivated by her trying to motivate him in multiple scenes to make this occur. And then on top of it, the actual moment that you get between these two people mm-hmm. is you get to crystallize on Peter's own sense and the, and the dialogue that they have between each other that a his father leaving him in his childhood in a more crucial moment is the same feeling he's going through right now without Laura Jean. So he has this kind of like echoing and mirroring of the same type of, you know, feelings and everything else going through it with kind of the father standing in kind of saying, you know, but I didn't try hard enough. I didn't try to make this work. I didn't fight for you to like, I didn't try hard enough to be your father. I didn't do all these things. And it crystallizes in Peter's mind that he has to try hard enough and give this other person that he cares for so much kind of the leash to, to be themselves, but also be with them. And, and if you want something bad enough to go forward with it. And so he kind of, has to do that for himself with his father. And he also, if he wants to, of course, 
and and or at least he can understand that feeling and then use it going forward and that's how we propel to the end of the movie all of which it's absolutely I agree. all of which all of which you are correct on none of which excuses the fact that it is a scene told from a point of view that we have never had independently before we have never gone through peter's story without the the presence of laura jean so i agree with you all of the stuff it does yes that's all there but they insert that in there in a film that has never been about anything but the story this girl is telling they don't even drop in a later on peter would tell me this happened or something that i can hang my hat on so that's my problem with it so the scene i think i actually think they did if they were going to touch the relationship between Peter and his father at all. I think it was very, it would have been very important to give it, um, to give it some power. And I adore Henry Thomas, by the way. I think the last thing I saw him in was the haunted, one of the haunting of movies. I can't mm. remember which one, which is Feminari too, right? Yeah, well, he's, uh, it's him and Flanagan. So he he's shot. He's that. director of cinematography okay. on those, but, I think you said. You want, um, actually, just yeah. real quick before you make your point. I laughed so hard that it was Henry Thomas because one of the last things that I saw Henry Thomas in is another Flanagan Feminari thing, which is Gerald's game where he is literally the worst dad in the history of mankind. And because he ends up like, that's uh, him. I mean, he's in that movie. Like I know the story, Uh which is why we haven't seen it. Yeah. No. And and I honestly, I don't blame you. Um, but now that you know, yeah, now that you know for what I speak, um, this is the direct (laughs) correlation in a way of you know the Feminari, you know, Flanagan tie in with Henry Thomas, and now he gets to be another bad dad seeking some kind of retribution, at least here. But yeah, they make him the worst dads ever all around. So, my one of my problems, okay, so with, with him and Peter. It was so, okay, the fact that he happened to run into him at the bowling alley, to me, was insane. And that he would come over there and try to start, try to initiate. I mean, I could see how he would think that the chasm would absolutely officially become unbridgeable if they saw each other and then he just left with his new family. So, I mean, I can see how he had to talk to Peter. But everything about the way he, that way that Henry Thomas played that had such a milk toast feel to it that I was frustrated for Peter. I, I felt like he did not get anything near the sort of closure or not closure, whatever, anything, anything that would represent the sort of healing that he deserved. And I feel like it, it got really short shrift, actually. And I feel like Sentineo worked his butt off. He did some really, really beautiful bits of work. That kid, about- that kid is phenomenal all through this. Yeah. Henry Thomas I in agree. that scene was moist and weird and a little bit gross for me. I found his presence in that scene to be, I found him creepy. That's that's. Oh, wait, I forgot the point I was going to make. The point I was going to make is I also think it did a disservice to that story um, storyline that it did feel like it was a way for me. It felt like it was a way to shoehorn in his pivot, his emotional pivot. Um, and that seemed the idea that he would take that advice or take that note from his father based on two, you know, very awkward meetings 
for the first time in a very long time, the idea that he would carry that back and make that the casual basis of a decision like that was really, I feel like they could have done it better. And I feel like doing it that way, they actually cheated both the Peter dad storyline and the Laura Jean and Peter story. It, it speaks to what I was saying before about how this is something that I think probably landed better in the book because they could devote more time to it. I have no idea what the, uh, the page counts on, um, you know, always and forever Laura Jean is, but I'm, I'm sure that they had to give a little bit more real estate to some of these relationships. Um, and, and like I said, I agree with everything you say, Andrew, about what the scene does, why it's necessary. I disagree with none of that, but it is such a clumsy execution of it because the entire think about this if we were if we were two-thirds of the way through fight club and all of a sudden we went off and just followed helen bonham carter for 15 minutes <laughs> on a scene that only later on connects back and which is never discussed with our primary narrator like that's and, and now imagine if i've had two movies of the consistent presence of this narrative figure to say this is my story suddenly at the at zero hour again i've got somebody else's story inserted in there and that was problematic to me if you want that scene figure out a way to get Lara jean present for it even if she's just in the bathroom listening in or something, but you have to put her in there or the scene disconnects from the rest of the structure for me. I just can't have her there because then Peter coming to how he's going to handle this by the end of the film doesn't ring true as much. It then, doesn't, you, then you can't have the scene. Then I, I think you can't have the scene. It's, it's, it's a, a difficult conversation a difficult like you know argument that you have to have yourself possibly but i just i i think that they needed that scene and they they probably had the same arguments that you did i i just it it, it disconnects me from it i think it's a problem a problem with the film he could have had that conversation with his mother who we met yes you know, who we met and they seem like a close family who we have a connection um, to who maybe could yeah. say hey your dad left me but he didn't leave you and i know this has affected you your whole life like there could have been actually jen i like that way better i like that yeah, way the, fucking better but but I, I i guess you need an excuse to get henry thomas in the movie but we didn't see his mom anywhere near this movie and i wonder again because i know and I, again i am going to sound very insufferable on this uh just to be like fr <laughs> from from talking to the screenwriter herself uh and, and trying to uh you know, see what her process was and how this all did come about. I know she was very loyal to the book and worked hand in hand with Jenny Han herself. Um, and actually, uh, Katie Lovejoy ended up kind of helping with the end of, in some way, not enough to get a credit or anything, but to work on part two to kind of prep for part three because they shot these movies back to back. Yeah. So... <laughs> So you know, I they, didn't look up. Katie Lovejoy was not the screenwriter on the second one. Correct. Okay. So she what happened kinda, to the screenwriter on the second one? Um, I don't know why they do the hiring that they do. Why they don't? Have, I just didn't know. If so it was, you know, you're on the inside, man. You you know stuff. Yeah. No. I, I I honestly don't on on that regard. The um 
you know, and again, <laughs> even though I, I desperately wanted to ask Michael Feminari if he staged a coup, I still don't know that story about how he <laughs> took over as, from cinema, cinematographer to director and cinematographer for the last two films. Well, but, that's literally um, the move that is made in almost every YA franchise. You hire a woman to do the first one. It's successful. You fire her and then bring in a series of men to create ever diminishing sequels. Yeah, I don't believe that's the situation here. Though, because got, <laughs> I only, I only, Sorry, I, only I was more that. taking, I was more taking yeah. a shot for like you know the Twilights and the the uh, Hunger Games and all of that of the world. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm st- sticking up for my sisters here. That's all oh about. sure, and I totally get not that. trying to slam I, Netflix, but, but, but we also know that because uh, we had this conversation in the last episode, uh, the last review we did, the second one was that she's executive producer, Susan Johnson. Yeah, so she can't be too fucking her. sad. So, she, she, yeah, she's not too, too she's, she's still about this. I think she, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the screenwriting thing, I, I do find odd that they kind of, I don't know, messed with success. I don't know how they thought this was all going to go, but it's like you had a screenwriter on the first one, and then she's also a screenwriter on the second one, but has to split it with this other guy they bring in. And then then they go completely different team, one person, uh, completely different writer, not attached technically to the first or second to write the third. So no, I don't I've, know. I've what never, their I've never tried to write like anything that. that was an adaptation of something else. So I can only imagine the pressures and the the fucking logistical nightmares that are involved in that, especially if you are attempting to stay true to the source material. Um, And I love that they did that, but I think that my problem is it probably stayed a little too close to the source material for my taste. I think they could have trimmed some stuff and given other stuff a little bit more air and had it really resonate more. Well, here's what I did admire. Uh, Like uh, the fact that you're coming into a third movie where you have to be, you know, loyal to a best-selling book. You have to be, you know, trying to keep continuity with two extremely popular movies and then also land the plane for multiple story arcs and multiple characters that people have grown some level of attachment to, whether it, you know, be via the books or via this this movie franchise. For sure. And, and I think... For for again, for what I'm saying is, I think every character in here, maybe Sans Lucas, which he got kind of sidelined in the second one too, but uh, you know he doesn't get a full arc. But everybody who's kind of like in that inner bit, kind of gets some kind of like satisfactory ending mm-hmm. to everything that's going on here. Even Lucas, though, he he does at yeah. least have you know he's out. He's he has a a. Uh, a black gay boyfriend at the prom that he mm-hmm. seems to be enjoying uh, in his life. So it's funny because for two seconds I thought it was John Ambrose. By the way, <laughs> like I just they did a quick flyby, like the you know with the camera, and I saw just like semi tall hair and. I think there were glasses, but I didn't catch them right away. And I was like, right. oh, my God, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because poor John Ambrose suffers from uh, the same thing that happened to the Josh in the first movie where the minute Laura Jean decides that she's not interested in you, you just fucking cease to exist in this universe. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, yes, please, please listen. I won't spoil it for you because I think it's hilarious, but I did kind of like intimate in our conversations off air uh, what you were so right about. 
uh, or at least in a way, in a cutesy, weird way, uh, what actually <laughs> happened to John Ambrose at the end of P.S. I Love You that Michael Fuminari said was in it before they had to cut it last minute because nobody got the joke and instead took it so seriously. So I want you to listen to that and everybody who's listening oh God, to that. I want to know a... this so bad. Well, Travis wait, called wait. it. Travis freaking called it in the second uh in the the review we did for the second movie so i just want you to be really proud of yourself and then listen oh, to excited. it and go oh my goodness thank wow. you thank you andrew yeah. and you know people people just don't understand that i'm a i'm a misunderstood prophet of our times really <laughs> but um, so like i was saying though but I, what i also admired was how much stuff that they did to exact either mirror or mimic scenes from the prior movies to kind of show exact growth from like from, your shoes are cute kind yes, of stuff exactly which, yeah that, yeah that yeah, yeah. no that i agree no i think i think there's a lot to love in this film like i said i ain't mad at it um and i think my feelings part of my problem i gotta be honest this is it's not this is not a movie for me. Uh, the first one is. The first one is a really sweet romantic comedy that I think a 40-something-year-old guy could relate to more. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that evokes a lot of memories and not some small degree of, of pain, uh, you know, decisions and things. Like, it's, it's a very, very heavy time. And I think as a result of that, I, and I, I won't speak for Jenny, but I think maybe Jenny felt like some of these things are a little bit too heavy to be brushed over the way you are. Some of this stuff is a little bit too major to be given short shrift. Like one of the things that, Jen, I'm going to, I don't want to, I'm not going to speak for you because uh, you'll punch me in the neck. But All right, I'll pop. Why don't you say yeah. what you're going to say and I'll pop in and clarify if I feel compelled. You know, I'm, yeah. I've been married to Jen now for long enough to know a little bit about some of the disconnects that can happen to children of immigrants. Um, and the thing that she says about, you know, they expect her to be able to speak Korean and when they, she can't, they, they look at her like there's something wrong with her. It's mm. thrown out and it's tossed off there. But, you know, I know enough from living with Jen and from talking to her and her sisters about experiences when they've gone back, you know, with their mom that I know, like that's to me, that's heavier than what you just gave to it. And I appreciate the fact you nodded to it, but you could have done like maybe 30 seconds less of a montage and really given that some weight really talked into that. Yeah. Okay. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was pretty much no perfect. Like I, same thing, you know, I'm half Asian, so I've got white family and, you know, Filipino family and, um, and you don't really speak, I don't speak Tagalog and, um, and it was tough. It was really, really tough. And I have two sisters. So you know, you do have those allies in experience, which is great. Um, but yeah, I feel like when I feel like by by opening that tiny little door, you have an obligation to I I just, you know, I didn't mean for it to make I don't mean the whole movie had to be about it, but I feel like you have an obligation, again, like, you know, with Peter and his father, to if you're gonna open the door and if you're gonna touch on that you have a responsibility to respect the situation and what's happening. Um, it, it felt to me like they shouldn't have included that bit 
honestly at all because it was such it's such a huge thing to say mm, yeah. you know i don't feel like i belong in this culture i don't belong in this culture but hey so i brought you presents right you know, yeah from, yeah i brought you look i brought you a lock like it was just i'm gonna guess that that's a concession also to to jenny han i think that's something that probably was in the book was probably more of a, and i pr- should probably read the book but i you know as knowing what her background is as well i'm sure that was something that was very important to her and that she wanted to touch on it but to me again you're you're punching a button there you're not actually doing anything more with that and for somebody who has not had that experience or who's not uh close to somebody who's had that experience i think that's a really easy thing to miss and that's why i think like just give it the time to sit like let us sit in that for a minute let us sit in the wait for it like you know, Margot's in Scotland. What are her experiences? You know, there's there's just stuff that, that it, again, to Jenny's point, if you're going to open that door, it's really clumsy to just open that door and be like, here's all the important shit, and then just slam it real quick. Yeah, I, and again, uh, who knows what gets cut out of the original drafts of Sharps? Sure. Who knows what gets right. cut, out, cut out of books or any of these things? Um, but uh, it does harken back to a conversation we had after the second movie where I said, it's interesting that I don't know if Netflix thought this was going to have legs from the beginning. So they were kind of married to the movie idea because they can't kind of just go, hey, remember how that movie was successful? Now it's a miniseries or whatever. <laughs> but in, in a way, I think some of these could have been better served by being like, a, you know, a six to eight episode, you know, kind of mi- seasonal. Yeah thing because mm-hmm. there are things that they could have developed a lot better and for sure to your point even though i don't think it it diminishes the movie or at least it didn't for me the peter and his father angle but i would <laughs> say that if you can enlighten that i think if anything making it kind of an issue i had more with the second movie where it drops certain things that could have made it easier for the transition into the third movie to to bring up other things that mattered um because the second movie you know it's like the first movie it's you know it's literally like a fever dream it's a it's an awakening it's a it's a it's a more traditional rom-com it's big it's bold it's beautiful looking Mm -hmm. it's bright Bright, it's shiny yeah it's bright and it works the best out of the three because of that i agree with you and i do think though that they should have stuck to the decision if we're going to do these as movies let's write them as movies and that means that you've got to trim some stuff out in the adaptation um and again again they probably Probably trimmed out a ton. I just I'm frustrated by some of the stuff that I think probably had real depth in the original and is here just kind of waved at as you drive by. Um, there's other stuff that really bothered me on this watch through too that is insane stuff. Um, the affluence that these kids operate under is never remarked upon, but <laughs> but puts them in such a rarefied air. I dude, have you ever heard of a high school? doing a cross-country plane trip as a senior trip? Is that like a thing? Oh, no, no. Well, although, That seemed insane well, to me. Well, well uh, actually, that's sort of not true. because We know... went to Frank Davis. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like... my, my high school was a public school. It was not a, it's not a wealthy town by any means. Um, yet, uh, there was a band trip to Hawaii that they did every year, and there was also like a ski team or not like ski club that would go on these ski trips. I go, that seems nice. I don't have the freaking money for that. Um, yeah, and that was yeah. that was the thing. It wasn't like every senior would 
go where every if you were in a club you you people had to raise that money for that trip. Oh, that wasn't yeah, just a sure. thing. There's, or you had to ask your parents. Your parents had to be ready to pony up for that. You know, it's not something that would just be like a school trip. Oh that, yeah, that, 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 that senior trip. A doctor, it's it, they have money. That I particular get it, man, family, but but it's but, one of those yeah. things that that I do find jarring because again, this was also transplanted. The book is set in Charlottesville. So they yes. they made the decision after movie one to move this to fucking Portland. They didn't necessarily have to because they never say Portland in the first film. I don't think. No, you actually nailed that again, by the way, buddy. Congratulations. Because <laughs> uh, back when we did part two review, um, you were like, yeah, they probably just said it in Portland because they shot it in Vancouver. Yeah, they did. Actually, <laughs> they shot it in Vancouver. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's just a match for the look. That's why I do this fucking podcast, because it's one of the only places in the world that I'm actually consistently right. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I bet if you go talk to Katie Lovejoy, she's going to come back and be like that fucking Peter and his dad scene was a motherfucker. We turned that shit around like 300 <laughs> times. I couldn't figure out how to fucking get it in there and still make it like I'm sure that was a fucking problematic scene. I'm not trying to right. slag off Katie Lovejoy. No, I, listen. I, like I said, I I think for if you if you follow the threads of what what arcs she had to mm-hmm. land and how to get there, I think everybody gets well served. And and to me, I I thought it was more important that the family that I thought was such a big part of the first one that got short in the second film definitely needed to come back stronger in this one. I think between the the Korea trip the wedding stuff and what they're how they were able to utilize each particular uh family unit member to influence Laura Jean and kind yeah. of make this movie fill out because at the end of the day this is Laura Jean's stuff and obviously you mentioned that with mm-hmm. why she should be present in terms of some of these things I for how much this is also sake if for nothing else right I mean like for how much you know Peter is heavy in these films and their relationship like it makes you know the arcs uh symbiotic uh you know to go forward you do have to I I actually appreciated that they at least even if you're saying just to make the attempt I appreciated the attempt to actually fill out Peter a little bit more because as uh Jenny was saying I believe I, I don't know if that was off air or not but the Wikipedia entry kind of version of this character Peter does only have really kind of like two modes or two pieces of identity because they kind of drop a lot of the stuff that was from part one in part two. Part two, he's just this jealous guy half the time just kind of being like waiting. Not only that, they made him a they made him a mook, which made me crazy. Right, like, which changed I in the third. So again, things, yeah. bonus for that. Yeah, I mean he's back. He's but back to being like one? a real, a real. He's, you know, Peter is a fucking gentleman, I man. I don't know that that high school boy exists, but I hope so. He's he's a sweetheart. Um, but I feel like there's this sparkle in him in the first movie, and and he always he's always charming, like ridiculously charming. Yeah. Um, but I felt like by this movie, I felt like in this movie, he felt tired. I felt like in a lot of his scenes. <laughs> In a lot of his conversations with Lara Jean, it was like he was trying to decide whether or not he wanted to get a divorce. He loves her. Well, honestly, that <laughs> is this movie. Jenny though. describes this as YA, YA marriage story, and I fucking fell out laughing. 
<laughs> well, it's 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 actually. Uh, well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but like, I, it is spot on to how this movie has to feel, though, because it's it's you're planning your life together, then the rug is pulled out from you, and then you don't want to crush somebody's dream. And you want to be with them, but you also don't know how this will work. And I, I don't know how your lives were like in your senior year of high school or any of that. But I was dating someone who I was dating pretty seriously. And we weren't going to the same college next. And it turned into, you know, kind of an issue. And and it goes on from there. And these people, this is 3,000 miles away. We weren't like that. But it, it, it does change the dynamic and it does change the thinking when you think that everything's going to be okay See, that's funny because not. that yeah, was not yeah. my dynamic in high school my dynamic in high school was the soul crushing revelation that i wasn't going to get to go to the college that i wanted to go to so that shit for me was so much more intense than anything about like where should we because you know again by the end of the movie i don't think they should be together i think maybe that girl needs to take a year or two where she's not dating anybody and learn to fucking love herself again because she seems stressed the fuck out all through this movie well here let me ask you a question i'll I'll actually ask it to jenny uh first because so this movie ends i think quite nicely in the sense of it's optimistic that things will work out but and it and it i think a lot of the things work for me like the new contract i think was an adorable addition uh, that's the, that's a sweet that was a very sweet nice little, tie back you know, really sweet. nicely well done yeah every tie back between uh the love letter stuff the contract the 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 meet cute the everything that was tied up in that scene which was probably actually one of my favorite scenes as well the the actual wrap up in the in the yeah. wedding dome tent whatever mm-hmm. um i think mm-hmm. that was perfect but the way it ends God, I love weddings and movies. the way it ends it, this movie could even though there is only books up to this point, I do you think that the way it ends? Would you prefer anyone for, to have this series no. keep going? Well, oh sure, I would love to see this series keep going. I'd be willing if they're willing to do it. I'd love to fucking see the twenty years later of this because, for one thing, I think that the two of them. Actually, I think the whole cast is. With the exception of that fucking Chrissy girl, um, I think the whole fucking cast is indescribably charming, and I'm invested in all of them. Um, I think what they did is they pulled off the say anything ending, and and that ties again. That's nicely what done with the 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 thread of that throughout the movie. Um, they do the say anything ending where like it's super optimistic. They're saying this is this is gonna work, and then you know I I will say my my wife and I have different ideas about the movie say anything and whether it's a a happy ending mm-hmm. or a sad ending. Well, Jay, I'm very curious to know what you think. I think part of the problem with the tr- with the way things wound up is because <laughs> oh god, in movie one, Laura Jean is such this like she's this she's wonder to, to mm. experience because she retains this um, incredibly, honestly, even though she's sweet and she's dreamy and she's romantic, a really positive and strong sense of who she is. She's content for right. the most part. I feel like she, and I feel like what happens is as the three movies go on, the world gets bigger. Yes. You know, it gets bigger. <clears throat> it starts small in that house. You're in the high school and then the world is getting bigger and bigger. And the more that happens and the more you have to see Lara Jean 
in different contexts at a, a rooftop house party in New York or at us. It's she starts to feel anachronistic, like or or just not anachronistic necessarily. She starts to feel like she doesn't fit. And after a while, for me, it started to feel a little bit self-deluded. And I don't mean as in like her dreams have to die and she has to not be romantic anymore. <laughs> yeah. I just like to know what her dreams are. Yeah, yeah. We, I'll I mean, say that. Said, the oh, English, English lit, lit thing. That's the major everybody takes when they don't know what they want to do, but I really want it. And I'm thinking, but what? Do you want to be a writer? Do you want to be an academic? Do you yeah. want to be an editor? You know, In her flash forward, they show her like signing at a table with Peter behind her. But I mean, that's that is the one and only time that ambition or that dream has ever materialized. She's a huge reader in the first film and they tease right. her for that. But I mean, that just to me in the first film was tying into the overall theme of her as a hopeless romantic. They, this is, I want to know I, by the third movie, I don't know who the, the girl is as a person. I agree with Jenny. I don't know if this is something that is just a me thing. Um, I also feel like some of the ideas that she had, she, you know, some of the, what she retained from her, um, her romances and the romantic movies isn't necessarily positive stuff. And I feel like Mm. some of those movies have, we've evolved to understand them as being somewhat problematic. I adored say anything when I was in high school, I was in love with Lloyd Dobler. I was (laughs) going to find my Lloyd Dobler. And although the truth was, I was probably more like the Lily Taylor in that movie, but sadder (laughs) Who's a more interesting but, um, character than she I is? She really is. No. <laughs> I, I really loved that movie, and over time, I grew away from it. And part of it was because some people, as they have pointed out, the boombox outside the window—it's a little stalkery and a little intense. <laughs> like if the girl doesn't want to see you, you know. I appreciate the big gesture. I get it, you know. But I am also- letting you know that <laughs> I am here and I will not leave. Yeah. Go ahead and try to nap. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a very it was there were echoes such strong echoes um for you know to all the boys because she Ioni Sky's character in Say Anything is so untouchably pure she's mm. beautifully you know she has a look she's a very specific good girl kind of look that sure. she has and and uh it, it's just about people learning to appreciate her and I don't know some of the movies like they're not stuff that I feel like as even a high school girl in the current day, it, it's not, I don't think even any high school girl I know what would watch 16 Candles and just be able to brush off with a, hey, isn't this guy incredibly racist? Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a horribly racist portrayal. <laughs> but wait till you see Jake Ryan. Like, it was right. just... Don't worry, it also gets so super fucking rapey later on. So, I don't know. It's Jake Ryan is a sex offender. Which, you by know, the way, girl, she's smart. Yeah, she is, you know, sensitive and thoughtful. And the idea that I feel like the idea that you are romantic, I feel like sometimes it gets tied to being, I don't know, I think it sometimes it gets to be made a, uh, a negative thing. Um, How about this? Let me see. Let me see if I can bring this in for a landing, my darling. 
<laughs> I think in a movie that is supposed to champion grand sweeping gestures, you can't start to pull the thread unless you're really going to examine the problematic nature with some of these romantic comedies, the things that it does put in her head that are wrong, not wrong necessarily, but could necessarily be damaging to a girl her age. And at the end of the movie, ultimately she's rewarded for all of these fantasies. She gets her happy ending or at least, a, you know, and That's I do like every time. Yeah. Yeah. And I do Only like as the, the fact bigger, those happy endings feel less spontaneous. You know, they feel less realistic. It feels like, you know, it trying to increase the circle, the glamour of Lara Jean out from her um, as lovely and wonderful as she is. You can't put that glamour on the whole world. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll say it's, it's, mean, here's, I, here's what it is for us. I think we don't have kids, but Again, I think this speaks to us not being the target audience for this, because for the first movie, we were very engaged in, will she get with the cute boy? Or is she going to have, have a boyfriend? Yes. In the second movie, is she going to stay with the cute boy or is she going to go with the other cute boy? Stakes become a little bit less. And actually, I start to like Laura Jane a little bit less because during the second movie, she starts to become very careless with other people's feelings uh, a trend that continues i think in this one but ultimately by the third one i can't engage with it on the same level because the cute romance of it is complicated by the problematic and real world difficulties surrounding all of this stuff that they talk about but they don't get into in enough depth for me to feel like they're really addressing so it becomes very distorted it's this beautiful candy color lisa frank to use jenny's term daydream but then i keep getting poked and reminded of the actual difficulties and shit and for me it makes it a very a a very disjointed journey again though because i'm examining it as a 40 something year old the the people who are in their teens and their you know whatever who are going to watch this for noah centineo and lana connor they're gonna be fine and they're gonna fucking love this um and again i don't hate it but it's not one i'd read rewatch because for me it doesn't it it ties the bow on the whole trilogy which is great but ultimately it leaves me sadder for the characters at the end and that's the first time this has happened in this trilogy oh my god yes i felt like the ending was desperate i feel like it was god this kills me to say by the way andrew it really Mm. kills me because i feel like all of the ingredients were there like the tent and the you know the weddinginess and the flowers and the candle the contract you know i felt like i felt like all the ingredients there um and i'm a sucker for that shit seriously um i feel like all the ingredients were there but like travis said it felt like with them having gone through all of that it felt it just felt wrong it felt wrong that it felt desperate that's the word i'm looking for it felt desperate it felt like the two of them were you know two high school kids very much in love wanting to hang on and (laughs) um I feel like that's what they handled the whole movie. And then at the end, they said, oh, you know what? It's Lara Jean's world. This is how it's, this is how her book ends. You know, this is how her romance novel ends at this scene, this part, you know? And um, it felt artificial because I feel like they had been planting so many really like fairly heavy handed um, bits and pieces throughout indicating that there was kind of a disintegration happening in the relationship. Well, yeah, I, so I, had a, I, I had a very low, very kind of 
des- not desperate, but just depressed feeling through the first hour. The first hour to me bummed me out and it set up all of these real world complications that they resolve in the second half with rom-com um, tropes. I thought the middle was more filled with the rom-com tropes and, and in a in a desperate attempt to not make maybe the movie feel so heavy, but like especially like a lot of the uh, the nineties references stuff and you know, I, I I don't know. I thought the the first bit of even like the montage stuff with the the wannabe Spice Girls thing and then they reverse it and make it the cover version that's more sad version of that. I actually appreciated yes. that as, as yes. a tie in as well. Um, I love I, I love, love by the way the, the bumper industry of like young women young women recording sad plaintive acoustic covers of songs from my like on, late uh, teens and early twenties. That is every fucking movie trailer I've seen in the past three years. Oh, Here a Granis cover of um Oh God! Is it Fool's Russian? Um, Maybe. Yes, it's Fool's Russian in uh, mm. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. That cover is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard, and I just need to say that for the record. Okay, I am done. Now, That's but, a very um, different no. one though, yeah, because you don't listen to that cover and think that somebody's going to get murdered at the end of the trailer. Well, and and to me, I, my biggest pet peeve with that whole thing, and now I swear we'll we'll circle back into the movie, but um, <laughs> the my biggest pet peeve with that is uh, not knowing what the hell the lyrics you're singing are about when you're changing the tempo and the tone uh, and the nature of the song. Yeah. Like I, I, I've heard like girls just want to have fun. <laughs> I've heard girls just want to have fun, be like this sad, like almost. Yeah. You've heard that in the second movie sweat. in this series, Andrew. This really? is not the first. Yes. Uh, this is well, not the hey, first time they've gone to this particular well. Well, again, that's why maybe I, I went in where the second one lowered the bar on this one enough for me to just really enjoy it. Like I said, I, I've watched You actually this liked movie. the second one less than we did, and we liked this one significantly less than I, you. I think that's true. And, yeah. and like I said, I think it's for for how effective... Uh, see, I thought this, this third movie, I, it appealed to me because I felt it was more grounded. And I thought because, again, the slow maturation of the characters matches the tone of uh, for how much I don't like the second one. At least the second one kind of, you know, took the veil off the first movie to get me to this movie. And it it kind of led me into, yeah, this is what a senior worries about. This is what how this relationship would probably come to. If anything, like you said, you know. There, there is kind of this desperation ending or what have you. I can totally buy that. But it to me, it's the most realistic because I think they're not done with each other. They want to keep trying to make it work. Is it gonna? Who knows? That's what's gonna happen, you know, outside of our realm, outside of our scope. But I think for Laura Jean, she gets to, you know, kind of do something for herself, grow a little bit more, see... The, seeing more of the world landed her in a different place where, you know, now again, you're right. Uh, the English lit thing and all that, you know, I thought that rang false too. Um, but the it doesn't change the fact that if she thinks something is a perfect life choice, that at least she's not considering Peter first before she does it and i think that speaks to a big difference in the maturation process from where we were in the beginning to the end but what i will say for anyone like 
a lot of us in in this room. The first one is a, a more perfect movie, and I think for anyone who's been chasing the high of the first one to see if we're going to get back to there, it, that's not what this series is anymore. No, so and that's, that's what you're We're like, no longer going to do. More realistic, to your point, I don't know is what anybody's queuing up for for this. At least I wasn't. I wasn't queuing up for more realistic. I was queuing up for more of the same. I literally had no idea what to expect because the first and second movies are such stark contrasts uh, uh, with each other that I didn't know what what tempo this movie was going to have, what kind of, you know, uh, just even going from the the trailer, it didn't look as darker and bleak in spots uh, in terms of color and, and mood. This is the right? Empire Strikes Back. This is the Empire yeah, Strikes so Back of the uh, To All the Boys universe. No, I thought the second movie was because it's so dark, except it's not good. It's just dark. So the yeah. second one is just dark. I, and again, again in- the second one I think is rewatchable. This one to me, I would not go back to this. It's There's one scene in the second one, the scene where they get out of the treehouse and they're standing underneath, and it's just, um, it's just Peter and uh, Laura Jean. Mm. And you know how you were just talking about the color palette, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. Like the two are standing under there, the empty pizza boxes are at their feet, and they're just, I don't know, they just sound, they're so depressed right. with each other. And he's like, let's never fight again. And he puts his arms around her and they look, I swear to God, they look like refugees. <laughs> yeah. Field, you know, like it was just, so I don't know. Yeah. I, um, but anyway, That's I'll what I was saying. I didn't know where this one was going to go. And, and if I saw the trailer, at least the trailer opens the way the movie opens where it's like, Hey, look, it's bright. They're overseas. They're doing mm-hmm. something. They're growing. They're at least not stuck in the rut of the second movie. So I was like, at look, least they're like, in a cafe okay, cool. in Korea, so stylized that I thought we were in a dream sequence. And then when they loop back to it halfway through incongruously, I was totally confused as to what the fuck I was looking at. Yeah, that's just a, a style choice that just. That was, uh, that I, was very yeah, there's a couple, I get it. There's a couple of those where I, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. why were they on a cherry picker elevating into the clouds at the end of the second one on their kiss? That's oh, my point. Yeah, that was That's my point. Yeah. I don't think you can yeah. go from cherry picker into the clouds kiss to the shit that we saw in this third one. Um, and well, maybe maybe it's a problem oh, of not having one screenwriter, because when each movie is a new screenwriter, there's you know, you're not able to make those connects back as organically. You've got to fucking hunt for them. Yeah. And I well, wish they had kept the sex out of it. Yeah, I didn't need a sex scene. I really wish they just shut the fucking door and then we resolved to the next day. I really didn't need to see this. I think they should have left it alone, honestly. I think that it was yet another one of those things that they barely touched um, and all of a sudden resolves in candy colors and it doesn't feel right. And you know, it just doesn't feel right. Can I tell you cynically? Can I tell you cynically why I think it is? Because nobody is going to buy the ending of the movie if they haven't had sex. Truth. Yeah. But I don't know. You know what? I actually think they built Peter. I actually think Peter was built to make that believable. Yeah, I would say that. I I mean, I I buy it more than I would buy normally. But I think if they hadn't and they split up for four years with him never having seen her naked, I think that's the conversation we're having right now. Is I did actually is that like realistic or not? 
I did actually like that scene though, where they they don't have sex. Like, yes, uh, I did too. It was a little aggressive. It was actually a little creepy to me, and that put me off too, man. Maybe I'm just. It was that desperation. Am I an old? (laughs) But no, you're right. This, but this to me, Jenny, I think it's how you feel about that desperation. You either, if you're seeing it in a in a negative, that it like. You know, oh no, no, no! The that movie. actually made sense to me. Yeah, the first scene, the one you're talking about, I was really—I thought it was a great choice to have Peter put the brakes on and just, you know, be the the emotionally intelligent one to say, "Hey, you know, I'm this doesn't the energy here is not right. I don't feel good about this," um, and to put the brakes on. Right. And I feel like they should have left it there. Well, that's what I—I mm. I feel like they should have left it there and. I mean, honestly, I had kind of assumed they had already had sex. I wasn't shocked to find out they didn't. Right. Honestly. Um, but at the same time, I think they could have let it be something between Peter and Largy. They hand waved right. it. Yeah. I think the the hot tub scene was plenty. Yep. Um, and I think they should have just let it be private. It is weird that they do go from that being a first movie big plot point to kind of seeing like they're almost in reverse in this movie, <laughs> like that they went backwards in terms of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know how that you know plays out. But one thing that I can definitely say, I think for, for all three of us, I think the biggest thing that I took away from this movie is that Noah Centineo is awesome. The one thing I did see online, I w- I'm curious to know your guys' opinion before we get out of here, is so what comes next for for these two budding stars? You know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times when you get stuck in these YA, you know, universes, that like sometimes you can you you stay there and and you don't grow, or maybe you don't get opportunities. And unfortunately, a lot of that happens with the female more than the male. I hope she doesn't get stuck in Asian American actress hell. Well, you know, she's coming in from a genre, a genre loop. So that's the kind of thing where normally you expect your career is going to be shuttered there and you're going to be Grace Park doing sci-fi shows for the rest of your life. She was in, well, she, was in like, she was in like X-Men. She was in X-Men. Has had a hell of a time. I feel like. No, no, no absolutely. I but I'm just saying like, it's honestly Gemma Chan. This is, it's, it's a slog, you know, for some, and I just feel like, uh, I feel like it's a tough, it's a tough industry. It, it absolutely is. My point was just that I think that Lana Condor has already made a transition out of what would normally be kind of a, um, kind of a, a, a specific bucket that's hard to break out of. She was doing sci-fi stuff. I found out that she was like one of the top three finalists who could have been in, uh, could have been Rose Tycho in, uh, the last jedi so i mean she's she's been working genre area she was able to break out of that and now she's doing some of this netflix stuff i mean we saw her in alita too yeah 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 yeah. she was yeah yeah. so i'm just saying like she's already made a transition out of what is normally a thing that is hard to break out of for actresses so i have every faith that she's going to have a monstrous career at least i hope i do because i think she's i think she's tremendous noah centineo i don't think there's a fucking doubt that that kid is going to I mean, unless he just decides to fucking quick acting and go into politics, because the two of them are <laughs> no seriously, the two of them are insanely socially active. They're really smart. They seem to be smart, empathetic humans. Like activist, active. When you say socially active, it sounds like they're on Twitter a lot. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's I. Uh, <laughs> yes, they're social activists, but um, right. I don't know, man. What are you thinking? Well, so I, I've seen it posited on social media that they are seeing kind of like where the careers are going next as this big difference between the two of them and why it might be harder for Lana Condor going forward and why, you know, 
they kind of are like posing the question of why it's so different. Because basically, Noah Centineo from exactly these movies, what my wife just said. Because well, American he, actresses. Well, potentially, right? So, but to your point, she is staying within going multi-genre and doing other things. So, so basically, what I see coming up next, um, Noah Centineo is going to be in Black Adam as Adam Smasher. That's uh-huh. already been announced. He's going to be He Man. Like he's he's going to be this brute coming up soon, which is going to be gonna interesting. Be I cannot he's... fucking see it, so I'm looking forward. I can't to... see it either. I, I would oh, be interesting. I'm so scared. Yeah, and then, uh, but oh. he's he's also uh, going to be in the Diary, which is a movie written and directed by Jackie Chan. So that'll be interesting. <gasps> Yay! And then, oh, also, that kid's got some dance moves. That was a delight, by the way, at the prom. Oh, for sure. I mean, it adds I'm, to that same see. narrative of every teen, like, high school ending movie that everybody is great at dancing, so fuck off to them because that's I not my world. I also love that they had a freaking light-up floor, you oh, know, yeah. like Saturday. Super stylish, yeah. It goes along with it. Uh, one thing that they did also announce, too, for Noah Centineo is that, that – uh, they're they're optioning scripts right now for the GameStop Reddit stock market movie that people are trying to do, <laughs> and he's already on the Netflix version of that. They of already course. tied oh, him in. So, so like you said, maybe in a political slant, like maybe that appealed to him. I don't know. Uh, but and then but Lana Condor, so she's got uh, like her next project, I believe, is an HBO Max sci-fi comedy called Moonshot. Where she uh, is, I guess there's some trip to space that her boyfriend happens to be on that she chases him by getting onto the space shuttle and goes through. That's all I really know. Um, but then she's also doing some more edgier stuff. Like uh, she's doing a buddy comedy uh, called Girls Night um, that is kind of a, you know, one night in New York, you know, fucking shit up for, for a while, like doing a buddy comedy. And then there's a Netflix so like series. A- Sorry, go ahead. It's like a non-canon extension of this. Kind of, I guess. Uh, (laughs) And then she's in a Netflix series called Boo Bitch, where it's uh, kind of like, you know, again, hearkening back to almost like genre-y stuff, but like with an attitude, you know, uh, mixing kind of like comedy horror blends or any of that stuff. So she's not doing like something where she seems pigeonholed, which I at least appreciate that. And Netflix, I mean, I think to their credit, or should, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Boovich, she might have um, executive producer stuff on there too, which Netflix is doing a lot with their younger stars. I mean, um, I know Enola Holmes was um, produced by... Oh, yeah, yeah. Millie Bobby. Millie Bobby Brown. And then you have... Like how you said that, like, kid showbiz, like, we're friends. (laughs) Right. And then uh, the and Ki- Kissing Booth series has uh, Joey King as an executive producer too. So yeah. like they're they're at least doing stuff where whether it's the project they're currently in or whether it's if they're in a series or whether it's something going forward, it seems to be that you know Netflix is at least stepping up and and kind of signing these deals and doing development deals with some of their young stars and <clears throat> specifically the females. So like they're not just holding it to just one side. So I, to their credit, I will at least put that out there yeah. that at least Netflix is trying to take care of that internally. I've seen some really interesting. Um, I, yeah, I've seen Netflix develop in some really interesting ways in response to certain issues and deficits. So, you know, and I've, I've liked that for sure. Yeah. I think, I think in general, the field for Asian American actresses too has is starting to open up more. Hopefully. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's still woefully 
you know, short of what it, I think it should be. But um, sure. yeah, so I think if if she can get, I think if anybody has a shot at sort of like breaking free of that stereotype casting thing, I, I really hope it's her. Right. I think she's lovely. I think that there was one bit of acting that they let her have in the movie that I found very moving and I was very disappointed that we didn't see more of it from her. It was the night of the prom after she and Peter quote unquote break up. Right. And he walks out the door and they just do a pretty extensive bit of camera work on her, on her face, yeah. you know, and her expression changes and all that stuff. When you're in high school and something like that happens and your world is just destroyed. Like you can't breathe. You're cold. You're, things just occurring suddenly are starting to occur to you oh my god like oh my god my dad's wedding or oh my god what does this mean and and i feel like and she doesn't speak you just see it right and i i really thought that was like a few centineo's moments wonderful little bit of work i wish they had gotten to do a little bit more that way um yeah i would love to see art and more stuff I want to see Kitty everywhere. I want Kitty <laughs> in weird ponytails, wearing her little feminist necklace, and a powder blue tuxedo at her dad's wedding everywhere. I yeah. would, I would actually watch a spinoff series with Kitty, a thousand yeah. percent. <laughs> the other thing I would watch is a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to this that shows the three movie arc leading up to the prom proposal between the the big chubby kid and the little short girl. Uh, at the very yeah. beginning because i was like that we was got it like this yeah. was kicking off and i was like what the fuck is happening and then it was a a promposal <laughs> and at the end of it i was like what's their story they seem cute so i want to yeah. go back and fucking follow them for three movies and see how they they met what their mute cute was um right yeah i think I, anybody's i gotta tell you man anybody's having a think piece article right now about like why is noah centineo and lana condor getting different types of offer offer <laughs> offers rather like yeah. Jesus Christ, come on! Like it, we know this. Like this shouldn't be shocking to anybody. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. Like, like Noah Centineo to me is like Vinny Chase with talent and empathy. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the kid is gorgeous, and I think he can be in fucking anything. Anything. Yeah, I'd actually, fucking... I, I relish. I want to see him in more. Although uh, he's a charisma machine, so I kind of like him a lot in these type of things. I and love actually, shit like this. I... Charlie's Angels for me just a tiny bit because yes, it's it's not, it is not a great movie. But, but um, yeah. the two seconds that he was in there, he was so delightful that I was like, why? I'd like to see him and The Rock do something where like he's The Rock's kid brother, and it's a fucking action movie or something, or like The well, Rock's son black... maybe. They're in Black Adam coming up. Um, yeah, well, I don't fucking care about that because it's a DC movie, <laughs> and traditionally those have had a very low rate of return for me. So, yeah, I'm hoping well, more. Hey, you know it's Wayne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'll, that would be Wayne. Yeah. Arm wrestle a franchise back into place. It is probably him. So yeah, he is. I mean, I like Shazam. Don't get me wrong. I just don't. I do too. I love Shazam. So uh, I'm hoping it's more that style and attitude than anything else. But like I said, guys, I, I, obviously we're, we're not kind of me. I think we're like kind of in step on some of the major, you know, themes and issues, like things that we could like about this movie. I think just uh, my returns, like you said, Travis, uh, I got more mileage about what the presented themes in this film versus the second one. And you guys yeah. kind of flipped on that. So, uh, yeah, we're yeah. also coming in. We just watched it like two hours ago. So, right. 
we're coming in very fresh off it. So it might be one of those things where now having seen it, if we did go back and watch it, we might, we might soften on a little bit. Maybe I would, I don't know though. I don't know. Just need time. You know, I've had so many cases where I walk out of a movie theater and I am super excited about something right and then i think about it and i am mortified that i was super excited about it because it was really quite bad so what are um, the so last yeah, three I, I, star wars movies for travis <laughs> okay this yeah, is super excited and two hours later i'm like fuck i um john corbett i mentioned this to travis mm-hmm. and i this is apropos of nothing but i grew up watching northern exposure and yeah. i was so deeply in love with chris the dj i cannot even tell you that was like one of my first sexual girl crushes you know he <laughs> yeah. was just perfect it was perfect he was like uh and um it is really super weird to be watching a romantic comedy in which my primary narrative interest is the children of chris the dj sure i feel very old it is extraordinarily uncomfortable uh, <laughs> so weird to watch like, a romantic comedy and want to fuck the main character's dad that is not a normal move here's he a delight for you just, man yeah. <laughs> and actually i think they worked trina in there pretty well i think um, she worked really well i like what yeah. we talked about a little bit in the second movie about how they keep trying to to find these kind of like surrogate mother experiences for her after the mother's death uh-huh. and and i think this was the closest they got to actually making it like a realistic good version of that like the mm-hmm. the the scenes where she talks to her about like you know you can't wallow in in kind of the college experience like so like, like you're a senior this is your, you only get one senior year you have a hot boyfriend go out and do that like that those kind of like smaller conversations that she gets to have over the time of this movie, I thought were very effective. Which is, uh, and I, I agree, which is yeah. why then going back and being like, well, she's moved in and her stuff is everywhere. And having that be a five minute conflict that leads nowhere after having two movies of basically <laughs> dragging this fucking woman into your family by the leg. That, again, why was that necessary? What mm-hmm. purpose does that serve? Yes, is it? Can can we do a whole bit about how incongruous and how disconcerting it is like when the parents remarry and shit sure but did it benefit anything in this film whatsoever i don't think i think so. it was just showing that uh and she even verbalizes at one point like kind of seeing it like making it more than just the peter thing that it's mm-hmm. like everything in her life uh life is moving forward and she's not and 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 things are yes. evolving and she can't handle like basically it's just to add to like being this overwhelming which would have been fine except it wasn't getting. just her kitty and um, um margo also experiences and in fact margo and her have to have a little like hey are we cool moment later on in the film that again i you know i agree what you're saying is there but then they do other bits that disconnect it and make the whole thing extraneous and and really just kind of a distraction to me I ain't mad at this movie. I just think like, right. I think I, I think I'm mad because of how much I wanted to love it, which should say a lot about how committed I am to the franchise and to the people in it um, that I had expectations high enough to be let down, I think is, is sure. a, a very big compliment. Yeah. And I, I, think, and I think sorry, it's harder too when you see something where all you see so many good ingredients in there and so much stuff, you know, so many little bits of performance and, and set dressing and all kinds of stuff. that's really promising. But when it doesn't, you know, that thing where it just doesn't, doesn't quite, quite land together for, us. for you, your energy at the end isn't where you wanted to be. So yeah, um, yeah I feel like 
I feel like there was no part of it that was tr truly egregious. Um, I just wish it had been woven. I wish it had woven together a little bit more organically. Um, I'm with you. And I think it yeah, also it, had a lot of heavy lifting to do from the second movie. I know maybe you guys think less so, but like I think it just. I think the second movie didn't do enough to advance character arcs on agreed, certain characters agreed. that that's, I think that's when not you on the third movies. That's not on the second movie to do for the third movie, especially if what they're doing is adapting these things as dedicatedly faithfully with the second one on as they seem to be trying to. Uh, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't do heavy lifting in the second one for the third if what you're doing is trying to stay faithful to the source book. I don't think it needed to do heavy lifting. I just think it needed to make her have more depth. Like yes, if, if the yes, first movie yes, is yes, just yes, being yes. like uh, the, this relationship and having it come together and, and having that be the focus of that. And, and then the second movie, maybe we learn more about Laura Jean more than just what her romantic no, the priorities second, are the, the second movie. We uh, just complement, uh, complicate her romantic priorities. Uh, the, right, all three of these movies don't... are about a girl who, has a boyfriend like that's that's what all three of these are about and there's nothing wrong with that it's just I when you start to Jen in the treehouse and i i feel like you know like you said andrew like they could have done a lot to set up things to make them work better in the third movie yeah, right. and i i think that considering especially that they did them back to back mm. it would have been such a great opportunity to kind of like you know, pick up pieces from each one, try to spread them out, give them a little bit more, you know, room to breathe, just room to breathe, you know, and uh, and so you're not trying to cram it all in there right at the end. Like Jen's sudden face turn on in the third movie, I think it, it just they didn't give that time to build it. They all. seeded like, that in the second. They seeded they, that. In they the did second a little bit. They had the conversation, but they never like it. Doesn't doesn't really work with like that with girls necessarily uh, I, i'll um, take your word on that one i i sure. liked that part that part did work for me but i i will take your word on the timeline and i don't think it's, it's like an overjoyous reunion either it's just enough to be like almost like optimistic like oh maybe if we do have some more time together that this could improve like more than yes, it being like so they hey they're back on the wagon yeah there's a I mean, there's a fourth movie work together probably drunk as f and um you know doing whatever i and stealing couches i feel like oh gosh you know what i would have really loved to see more with the two of them i think maybe that's, well, that's the fourth I'm, movie the fourth I'm movie you. the fourth movie is to all the boys i've loved before specifically my boyfriend who's in california i'm living with your ex-girlfriend she's my roommate it's college i don't know so it's a felicity <laughs> reboot kind of situation i mean I, tell me you wouldn't watch felicity again <laughs> yeah i never watched felicity oh, well. <laughs> Well, you might have had a more interesting life during those years than I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys. At risk of having this I'm podcast, so sorry. no, 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 no. We, it's we're kind of like analyzing not just this movie, but we're kind of overarching kind of like there's three uh, movies worth of shit we got to get through here so yeah so but at risk of having this podcast be as long as the third movie i'm <laughs> trying to kind of you know button it up uh, slightly so so you guys just as uh, i believe we're on the same page or or i can see what your page looks like uh that you power rank one two three basically in that order Yes, hundred. Yeah, and, and I and I just flipped the last two, yeah. uh, which is fine. I mean, and again, I think uh, without speaking for all of you, I think we both came into this 
being high off that first movie and then just not knowing exactly where this was going to go. Yeah. And maybe it goes in a way that does appeal out of our demo. But, you know, it's it's fine. It, it, like, I think it wrapped up. I think, like I said, for me, I think the 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 arcs wrap up nicer than maybe they muddled in between. Um, but I would say that, you know, I like you said, I ain't mad at it. Uh, I yeah. think I had a good enough time. If you've watched um, the first two, you're already pot committed. So just fucking watch the third one. You will either love it or you won't love it. Um, those yeah. are well, kind you of... just want to see everybody again. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you're you want to see Lana. Oh my God. You want to see Laura Jean's gorgeous bedroom and you want yes. to see. Anyway, sorry about that. I keep derailing us, but well, no. Yeah, I, and, think and I would I... rewatch the first one in a heartbeat anytime. The second one, if I felt like I needed more of them after the end of the first one, if I just want more love story. Sure. And I don't know that I would watch this one again. We probably will we- just the way that we finish off a box of pop tarts, just to like complete <laughs> it and just get it out of there. Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would, but I, I, but again, love to everybody in the cast. I can't think of anybody um, that didn't turn in a faithful performance. For instance, Henry, Henry Thomas, I didn't like the character, but I feel sure. like he did what he was supposed to do very well. <laughs> Um, but uh yeah no i think everybody was lovely i think i think there was some beautiful stuff in there i think it's worth watching like overall if you're gonna i say go ahead watch the trilogy um just be aware that it takes a turn yeah (laughs) well i i am not mad at either of you either and i I adore both (laughs) of you and I think you guys had wonderful performances in both reviews. I give you guys A pluses in that regard. Bring the heat Aww. as you I know you're patronizing uh, me, but I will take this. I will take this positive reinforcement. <laughs> finding it, I'm man. finding it very, very hard to self-actualize these days. So this, I will take any faint praise I can achieve. Hey, listen, I'm trying to uh, give my praise for you guys before I get in the editing bay and go, what? How long was this thing? Um, but, you know. <laughs> I think I'll enjoy it nonetheless, but thank you guys so much for coming on and going on this journey. And hopefully we don't get like a before series thing where it just keeps going and going with these characters. Let it end this way. And, and, you know, maybe we'll, you know, be satisfied with that. (laughs) I'm saying, I'm saying fourth film, all kitty all the time. Let's fucking throw in, throw in, throw in a couple like uh, cameos from everybody and I'm fucking good to go. I'll be all in on that shit. Listen, that would be huge in this household because my daughter uh, loves her from Odd Squad. This, oh, right like, on. Yeah, 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 show on PBS. Descendants, so, too. She's yeah. on. How about this? Netflix, uh, Jenny and I will write the script for you because you're, you're going to keep changing script writers. We'll be happy to write a kitty-centric film for you. <laughs> there you go. Yep. You heard it here first, guys. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Love you, brother. Bye.